Welcome to a new edition of Full Time Mob, presented by K Black, with everybody's uncle. Today's episode is loaded. Uh, we got a lot of subjects to discuss. So, first of all, what up, Uncle? How you been? What up? What up? What up, man? I've been chilling. You know, just taking a day at a time, man. Just chilling. What's just up? Chilling. With you? Yeah. Uh, I'm good, man. Just getting ready for you know the season to return. Seeing uh, you know what's going on, how the players are reacting to everything, and how the league is going is going to um, handle everything. So I think they're still trying to figure out the best way to make everybody feel safe about right. everything. So uh, um, whatever they've got it all figured out, then we can really focus on, on the basketball part. Obviously, right. without forgetting that there's still uh, important issues going on in the, uh, in the U.S. and everywhere around the world, right. basically, about you know, social changes. Uh, first off, but regarding that, I wanted to discuss uh, something that's been going on a little back and forth between <laughs> Kendrick Perkins and, you know, Kyrie or Kyrie's side because Kyrie hasn't said anything publicly. Right. Like everything we've, we've heard is people saying that they've heard Kyrie's been talking about this, Kyrie's been saying this in a, in a group chat. Right. But none of us have heard anything directly from Kyrie. Yeah. But Kendrick, like Perk, has been going really, really hard at Kyrie these last few days. Like, right. going all out saying, you know, he's a hypocrite. This guy wanted to come back. Once he figured out they, they wouldn't let him come into, uh, into the bubble because he wasn't going to play, then that's when he decided to have uh, to put the social reforms at the forefront and say that he's all about that and everything. But I think that's a little unfair. Like, people can have a change of opinion regarding different issues in their lives. So how, what do you, sure. how do you feel about that? Like, how do you feel about the whole Kendrick attacking Kyrie? Um, I'm, I'm never a fan of, you know, uh, attacking, uh, you know what I'm saying? Because like we said earlier, when we spoke about the, the, the social stuff is, you know what I'm saying? You can't, you can't tell somebody how to feel. You get what I'm saying? And exactly. he may have yeah, felt totally a certain agree. way at the beginning, but, you know, he, he had a change of heart. Maybe I'm not in his life, so I can't tell. And I re- the reason why, like, I really realized that when it comes to Kyrie with that situation was when he was with the Celtics. And, you know, mm-hmm. there was some things going on and people, you know, talking about him. And, you know, he, I really liked him as a player. So that kind of had me falling back a little bit. You know what I mean? I think once he decided to come publicly about it and say and tell us what was going on in his life, and I think he lost his grandfather or something, if I'm not mistaken, You know, like that, you know, that had me thinking like, man, like we were all sitting here judging him. You know what I mean? Not knowing that that dude. Exactly. He's suffering inside and we out here, we just want him to shoot hoops. You know what I mean? And I thought that was whack. And since then, when it comes to Kyrie, you know, and obviously all the other players too, but I'm, you know, uh, uh, just talking about Kyrie for now, but I feel like it's just, you know, you got to kind of, get into the details like look what is going on i don't know if kendrick spoke to him you know what i mean or he's just you know kind of speaking out there i don't think he spoke to him because (laughs) i i I really feel like because the guys that are close to Kyrie, so guys on his team and guys that share you know the same agents like kd and wilson chandler like they've been going off on on perks talking about he's a sellout you know once a couple players get into the media they become you know Right. They tend to change their behavior to where uh, younger players. But, like, I feel like on Kendrick's side, it's like he's lost a little bit of, of perspective. Right. 
in right. terms of when you're a player, like it's never either or. It's like the world is not black and white. There's a lot of gray areas. Exactly. Like, there's a lot of things that happen. These guys are not robots. And right. they're going to react differently into different situations and they're going to change opinions based on the information that they get. I think of course. like Kyrie's always been somebody that's been really involved uh, in terms of because his mom has some indigenous background, so is really involved with the Sayu tribes and all of okay. that. So um when with the social reforms coming at the forefront of the national discourse, I think it's felt the necessary for him to, to, to really be involved with it, you know, right. him being first a black athlete in America, but also having that, you know, native heritage. Right. Those two are marginalized people all over the world, like indigenous yeah. and uh, black people. So right. I think getting to understand the situation a little better, getting to understand the cause a little better, got him thinking and probably uh, put him in the mindset that he, he would be willing to sacrifice a lot for the cause and not necessarily, you know, be ready to play basketball. And that's not right. the same for every player. Right. Like, and and the it, thing is that I think that the biggest thing with, with Kendrick was, to me, I feel like, you know what, Kyrie might be, you know what I'm saying, wrong in his approach or whatever, but I just mm -hmm. feel like you just don't attack him personally. You know exactly. what I mean? And, that, and that, that, that comparison with a bird and stuff like that, I felt like that was uncalled for. And that's why when KD, and I feel like that's probably why KD said what he said. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? He felt like that was a cheap shot. So he went and hit him below the belt as well. You know exactly. what I mean? And, Talking about, you know, <laughs> he wasn't really a, a good player back in the days. Exactly. You know what I mean? So when, when things like that happen, I feel like, you know, especially a dude that has played the game, you've been around those guys and, you know, they're essentially, they're, they're kind of your peers. You know what I mean? Even and he was teammates with Kyrie. Like he, he was on Cleveland with Kyrie. Right. So it's like, and you know what I'm saying? Like you could have, if you felt strongly about it, you could have easily gave him a call. You know what I mean? And, And just, you know what I mean? You can criticize him to the best of your ability, but without getting too personal with him. You know what exactly. I mean? Especially when, when it's about a, a subject or a topic that, you know what I'm saying? We all want to, we want this thing to do good. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. not like Kyrie's And it's sensitive to a lot of side. people. Yeah. It's really sensitive to a lot of people. I think the, the fact that he's saying basically that Kyrie's a phony by speaking out about this, these things and, you know, being really involved or at the forefront of, of that discussion is really like it's a poor judge it's poor judgment on his part it is it is you know because you have to show a solid uh, a united front in, in this situation when people are battling inside these petty wars about you know who's really real about this situation it doesn't bring We're anybody focusing anything. on the situation <laughs> exactly we're taking really the focus out of the situation where we should be focusing on making changes and Really, I think on the side of the players, it's about putting pressure on the league to not just go in Orlando and it being really all about basketball. Exactly. Because in the league, there are some issues. And there are, there's a fact that, like, the, the, the guys have been saying for a little while now that the decision makers in the league, most players can't lead to them. Right. You know, and that is a situation where, you know, a lot of black players are – a, a league that benefits from the talent of black people that does not necessarily 
uh, put other black people as decision makers for, you know, organizations that provide billions of, that, that are being provided billions of dollars on the talent of, of black people. So I think in that sense, if the players want more representation and on the management side, then they need to put pressure on the league. And if that pressure comes from, you know, not playing or, you know, getting their voice heard or whatever, then that'll be that. But I don't think that their heart is that at the wrong place. They're trying to take advantage of any situation because, you know, they're selfish about uh, them wanting to show up in Orlando or not. Right. No. These guys care more than anything about being great basketball players. Exactly. It's especially a guy like Kyrie that's put so much time on his craft. But I think that he felt a certain calling about this, this situation, you know, right. especially from his background and everything. I feel like, yeah. you know, that's something that he, that he took to heart. No, definitely, definitely. And I think he's a dude that thinks outside the box too. And, you know what I mean? Things he does is not always, you know what I'm saying, clear when you, you just look at it. But I feel like if you get to speak with him and stuff like that, I feel like you might understand him a little better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, understand his perspective. Like, I mean, a lot of times he, he's trying to sound a lot, maybe a lot smarter than he really is. Like, right. You know, he uses these big words and sometimes they don't really make sense. Right. But I don't think like the the point often he's trying to make is just like live and let live. Honestly, that's really what he's about. So he's not about the over criticizing of players. Uh, you know, he's not about, you know, the fans like he understands that he's getting money from having so many fans. But that people have to understand that they're still individuals and complete human beings and not only robots that are destined to score basketballs. Exactly. Like, they are more, they're a lot more complex than people want them to be. You know, they're not just about being basketball players. Right. So, yeah, I think on this one, I'm, I'm really on, on Kyrie's side because I, I think, I think Perk was a little, a little bit out of line. He was. He was. I, I agree with you on that. So we're going to move on uh, quickly because I think we, we agree for the most part on this one. Uh, so with the season starting again, like we did uh, a few episodes back, we did our awards. So we got Yanis at MVP, uh, Jaff or, or uh, Rookie of the Year, and our boy Nick Nurse from the Toronto Raptors as Coach of the Year. So uh, for the next few pods, we're going to look at the all-NBA squads. So okay. we're going to st- start first with the uh, all-rookie teams. So there are a lot of standout rookies, like a lot of rookies average double figures. A lot of guys showed out this year. It was, really, it was a really surprising rookie class because coming in, a lot of people thought it was a two-player, maybe three-players class. But a lot more guys showed that they could, you know, compete for a solid role. Uh, down the road in this team. right what did you think no definitely definitely um you know what i mean like that there, there's a top you know what i'm saying the top five who are doing really really well but like there's a few guys right behind them are, that are doing solid just unfortunately the list you know what i mean if you're making an all rookie first team you know what i'm saying a bunch of them don't make it but you still got like a solid second team and even you know like guys creeping up right ahead i think that the the difference a lot of times it's just guys being in a te- on a team that needs them a little more. 
so they get to do a little more versus you know guys who are playing solid like a Terrence Davis who you know he's doing really well he's doing you know, really well for an undrafted uh, guy exactly. you know, playing on a 46 win team that was about to probably win close to 60 games I mean right he had a big role for that team exactly so you know I mean I think it, at the end of the day like guys like that they they you know they, they may not make the cut but you know I don't think it takes anything from uh, what they're doing on the court oh no not at all I think I think more than anything a lot of those guys are are going to get themselves a second contract like without a if, question if you look at the list like a guy even a guy like Montreal Zone you know shout out to uh, Lugens Lugens could you know he could find himself being going from a two-way player then going to a full contract and you know possibly getting a second contract in the league and that's for sure really amazing for a guy that was undrafted for sure so uh, with this one, so how, how did you look at it? So did you only look at the individuals and what they were doing, or did you account for the team record while uh, making those all-rookie teams? Um, a little bit of both, a little bit of both. Um, I feel like the top, <laughs> top four is kind of like clear-cut. Yeah, the top um, four is definitely yeah. It's 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 a lock. It's really yeah. A lock. It's just that the last one I tried to mess with a little bit, but I also didn't want to just because I feel like even you may be able to stretch it to top five being clear just because guys are doing good on a team that's gonna make the playoff or at least close enough. I think the last one, you know, what I mean, in my eyes that that make the cut, but you know, it's pretty close to the playoff. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, that could have still get bumped out is, you know, uh, buddy from, from the Grizzlies, Brandon. Brandon Clark, yeah. Yes. Uh, yep. and, and that that might be the only one, but the, the rest of the guys, they're doing really well on a yeah. winning team. And then, you know, Zion, obviously, you know, he's, he's missing. All, all star numbers <laughs> right? already. I mean, that's... So it's, <laughs> you can't go, even if, you know what I'm saying, he will lose it. Like, it's hard to go against him because he's dominating against he's dominating. really good teams. And, and the thing is, Ever since he came, he came back. They've been on a, they've had a pretty good record. And his on and off like stats, his advanced stats when he's on the court and off the court are ridiculous. Like right. this is a top four team in the West if Zion is healthy and on the court. Right. This guy is is a dominant ball player already. So I mean, you you have to put him in even if he played you know twenty games and other exactly. guys played, played sixty games. So well. We'll go right ahead. So I'll let you. Uh, so your first choice uh, for the all rookie team. So, uh, yeah. Number five being Brandon Clark. Yep. Um, you want me to just give you like the names? No, just no, no. Just you know, what, what did you like about Brandon this year? No. What um, did you see I, out of him this year? I that? really love his athleticism. Yeah. Uh, I, I think he plays really hard. Um, obviously, I think he got to polish up on the on the skill set as as he as he keeps going. Definitely. But um, I think what stands out is you know is is definitely the athleticism, and I think that's and that opened my eyes for what we're gonna talk about later, as far as like you know making some decisions uh, on the next topic we're gonna talk about. But you starting to see the guys who comes in the game who are you know really athletic are starting to flourish a little more than in the past, just because or the way the game is being played now. I feel like it's so open that if you got this one athletic dude, the floor is so open that they get those little easy ones that they just got to be able to finish, essentially catch and finish, essentially. 
you know, versus in the yeah. past where you needed to be a little more skilled to play down there a little bit. And, and now if you can run, catch, you, you, and, you know, on a team that has a good point guard, you're, yeah. you're going to get That's, that's the key, defense. though. On a yes. team that has a good point guard. Yes. Because if you're on a team that has, like, let's say the Chicago Bulls, that they don't really have a dominant point guard. It gets a little shaky. You, you, you kind of get lost in there. Yeah. You know, people can really underrate what your value is because you don't get the same opportunities as other guys. Right. Um, but I, I also had Brendan Clark because, uh, you know, I had seen him a lot at Gonzaga the year before. And I really, really liked the intensity at which he was able to play. Right. I, I, I remember the Maui finals. It was like them against Duke. And it basically ended up being a two-on-two, like Rui and Brendan against Zion and RJ. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, it was a, one of the best games, I think, last year. Yes. Um, and super, super intense. And I was like, if this kid, Clark, can handle this kind of pressure and this kind of intensity, he's, like, to me, it was like, that could have been a top 10 pick. Oh, for like, sure. I, th- I, I thought that game was really representative of the guys that could play at high intensity and high level of, of athleticism that could compare to the league. Yes. And yes. the fact that he showed really well, and he showed a lot more than I thought he could. Right. Like, he had a little soft touch from, like, 15. You know, he could take guys off the first step. He reminded yep. me a little bit of a, of a young Kenyon Martin with a better jump shot. A young Kmart with a better – yeah. Yeah, I, I can see that. You know, where I can see that was, was a solid, you know, post defender, a solid rim, rim protector for his size especially. But uh, offensively, it was really about, you know, catching lobs, catching passes, attacking closeouts. No, Kmart couldn't really shoot. That was the main weaknesses in, in his game. If he had right. that, maybe you know, oh, he would have been, been a problem. <laughs> he would have been really a problem. But Brandon has a, a little bit of that with uh, a lot more uh, a softer touch. I think while the game becomes a, the game becomes a little slower for him and he gets accustomed to the league, he has potential to be you know to be a high level starter, like yes, a high caliber yes. guy. You know, definitely. Definitely. Possibly a double-double. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, your second choice? Uh, Tyler Hero. You had Tyler on the first team? Yeah, I had Tyler on the first team. Wait. I had Tyler on the first team, yes. <laughs> I, okay, so I think, I think I chose the other Miami kid. Or you had both on the first I team. I got both, man. I got, you had uh, both? Why not? <laughs> why not? First of all, the other one is not even a conversation. No, exactly. Kendrick, I think Kendrick for me was like, he's basically second or third in the rookie of the year race. Yeah, no, definitely. So, definitely. But Ty, because, Ty. Yeah, go ahead. No, Ty, I felt like Ty, once again, playing on that team, it's a pretty good team. And he comes in there and he has been very solid, shooting 40%. He's you know, three. Exactly. You know what that I mean? And, and, and often I heard the comparison between him and Devin Booker. And I'm not saying he's Devin Booker, but I no, see a lot of, a little bit of that in him as far as like, you know what I'm saying? The ability to, you know, get off different type of shots. Yeah. But he's not the creator uh, as far as passing the ball that Devin No, has. no, 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 no. De- no. Devin, Devin is like the de facto point guard sometimes for the Suns. Yes, you know? yes, definitely. Or this De-Devin, year that... Now they have Ruby, obviously, but like in years past, like Devin can really run an offense. But yes, yes, I don't think Tyler is there yet. 
But as far as, yeah, pulling up off the dribble, off the catch, coming right. off curls, you know, doubles, singles, and everything. Like, it's, I mean. Who did you have instead of Tyler? Hey, man, maybe I'm Canadian biased, <laughs> but I had, I, I had, I had RJ. <laughs> I mean, Listen, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying Brandon is better than RJ. All I'm saying is Brandon, uh, no, sorry, not Brandon. Uh, Tyler. Tyler, Tyler is out there performing on a playoff team. Well, RJ basically had to be the main option on offense sometimes. Okay. Uh, run the offense a lot of times. Okay. On a pretty poorly coached team for the first few like games of the year. Like, I mean, not and to still, criticize anybody, but still, that team didn't seem to have a clear direction for the and, first few And years. still, his numbers are not better than Tyler's. Tyler plays well, less yeah, minutes. He's, okay. If you go per 36, maybe Tyler has better numbers, but <laughs> raw numbers, like, he raw has numbers, he's averaging 14. Tyler's at, like, 13. Tyler's at 12. 12.5. 12, 12.9. Oh, it's 13. It's 13. <laughs> exactly. No, but the thing shoot is, Tyler, it, Tyler's, I, Tyler's playing against backups. Tyler's shoot. Hey, listen. That, that's got to account for something. It, it does, but at the same time, I feel like Archie got all the touches to do whatever he wants. Against better players. And, and that's fine. But you, it, you know what I mean? Like It's open floor for you to do what you want versus you coming in there knowing, you know what I'm saying, you got a specific role. I feel like, you know what I mean? Exactly. It's and, just, and, I, and he adjusted as the year went on. He got a lot better. I felt like in the last few months, he really solidified himself as one of the top four rookies. Listen, Tyler started, started off uh, pretty, pretty hot. I won't, right, I won't lie. Right now, I'm not, like I said, I'm not saying Tyler's better than RJ. No, I am not. You know what I'm saying? If I had to pick a dude to start on a team, you know what I'm saying, build a team around it, I'll probably pick RJ over Tyler. Yeah. But as far as what they did this season, it, it's hard for me to go, you know what I'm saying, like against Tyler in this situation. Uh, sorry, Tyler in this situation. So, just because so, the, the numbers, like I said, he's at 13. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 41% from the field. Basically 40% from the three. 83 yeah. from the free throws, RJ shooting 61 at the free throw line. See, no, his free throw shooting has always been a, a little iffy. You know what I mean? And, but, but look, hear me out. So in the last uh, eight games before this season stopped, right. uh, RJ Barrett for the New York Knicks, but not so bad. Like they played 500 uh, in those last four games. So four and four, right. 18, five, four, one steal. With a shooting split of 48, 38, and 68. Those are really, really, really good numbers. And that to me was what I felt like, you know, I mean, he struggled early on, he got injured, but as the season went on, as the season went on, he got accustomed to what the league was and got to play a little more at his own pace and. You know, we saw a little bit of the flash in terms of the passing skills that we thought was really underrated before the draft. You know, he had a good feel for the game. But Sometimes a little again, bit of a ball hog, but, you know, well, you can see Once guys. again, all you're saying is telling me about his potential. While we're supposed to pick who performed as far as top 
five rookies. You know but what I mean? He like, didn't play. He didn't play that poorly. It's not like I'm saying. I didn't oh, say. I didn't say he should be on the all rookie first team. I didn't say he played poorly, but I just said I do a balance of. Because what else did Tyler provide aside from scoring? That's what they needed from him. Yes. And he did that. But RJ did a lot more. I mean, for not so good team. Right. But he he had to do a lot more. RJ averaged. The responsibilities were not. RJ was averaging 2.6 assists. Tyler's at two assists. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, bro. (laughs) What are you saying? Yeah, he, he, ha- he has a lot more turnovers <laughs> because, you know, he has to handle the ball a lot more. I'm not even going to talk about turnovers. I'm just saying, you ask him what Tyler did more. I'm just saying, we look at and even rebounded. Tyler's at four, RJ's at RJ's five. At five. <laughs> I, know, I, I, know, I know the run on. The run numbers a little bit, their advantages a little bit to. No, you even uh, said, you, you even said. Even the advanced stats shows that Tyler. Play. <laughs> yes, no, per 36, I, I don't think it's even close. Like, if we look there per, you go. Actually, per 36 is not so bad. Per 36, they're both at 17 a game. Uh, RJ has six rebounds, three assists. The other has five rebounds, 2.6. Like, <laughs> it's really close, but I'd rather, I'd rather pick RJ just because I feel like he had so much more in terms of responsibilities that I would rather choose him. And as far as, like, helping your team win overall, uh, Tyler didn't have that good of a plus-minus on and off the court. But plus-minus are are skewed a little bit. It's not like he played five minutes a game. The guy played 27 minutes a game. That kind of matters. Like, he he wasn't a good defensive player. No, he's not. He's not a good defensive player at all. And... Also, the ball doesn't necessarily move while he's on the court. Obviously, he played a lot less minutes than maybe with a guy like uh, Bama, I think, with, who has like a crazy plus minus for that team. It's probably been the best player on that team. So it probably affects his uh, on and off stats. But at the same time, it's not like he had that much of a positive impact on the outcome for the Miami Heat. You know, and if you're choosing two guys that didn't necessarily have that big of an impact in terms of the outcomes of their teams, I'm choosing the guy that's a little bit more talented. Right. No, but once, it, once again, I, I'm not saying Tyler's more talented or Tyler's better than RJ. I'm just going off, off the simple point of... But from what you saw this year, better, who, who, who did you think performed better from what you saw this year? I feel like Tyler performed better. You feel like Tyler Hero was think, a better player than R.J. Barrett in the NBA? Yes. Okay. Let's, yes. I mean, let, uh, we can agree to disagree I, on this one. I, I, I feel like uh, R.J. often when he was not performing was due to his lack of skill set. And I feel like, you know what I mean, that is well, the reason when why. RJ, with, when when Tyler was freedom, not perform, when t- Tyler was not performing – it was probably due to the same thing that he's pretty much a one trick pony right now, which is being a shooter. But he does if, that if his, really if his, well. If his shot doesn't fall, then he becomes a liability. I mean, it was, it was, it was falling for most of us shooting 40, 40% from I the mean, he three, shot the that's... ball. Well, he, sh- he shot the <laughs> hell out of the ball this year, but it wasn't always that consistent. Cause he started the year at like 
close to like 60%. It was ridiculous to start the year. Right. And that was one of the biggest things. Like, it was like, start the year, he had a 29 point game, 22, 20, 22, like in his first month of basketball right. in the league. Right. But then, as the year went on, you know, you start to see a little bit, you know, nine minutes here and there. Right. You know, 20 minutes, six points. Right. And but- when, when RJ started to perform, that's when he got injured. Right. So to me, it's like the lasting impression was, okay, RJ was averaging close to 19 a game when the NBA stopped while Tyler Harrow was on his, you know, on his down curve. Like he, he pretty much hit the rookie wall. Right. Or before everything went back up, you know, in his last game, uh, which was on March 11, he played seven minutes, one for three for, for, from the field, two points, uh, minus 13. Minus 13 in seven minutes. That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's tough. That's tough. You know, so to me, it's like the lasting impression I had was RJ was really playing well. Right. Tyler hit the rookie wall. It started hot, but yeah. hit the rookie wall while RJ really adjusted to the league and started playing really uh, much better and impacted the Knicks positively while, you know, they were heading nowhere near the playoffs, but, you know, he was still doing his thing. Yeah. So, so that's how I felt. But, no, let's agree to disagree on this one. I, 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 hear, I hear you, though. I hear you, though. Um, so who did you have on, on your next? Uh, uh, the next one is Kendrick uh, Nunn. Yep. He was, he, I had to, I had to, yeah. I mean, like you said, if we talking about uh, him being the, the better of, of the two, as far as, you know what I mean? On that team if one of them, and I feel like he, I think he was even running up for a rookie of the year. And, you know, I, I was not against it at all. You, you, you would have voted for him or, or no, like, no, but I think it's, it's good for conversation. <laughs> you know, it's, it's really good for conversation because he played 62 games. Like I don't yeah. think he missed any games. No. That kid was like availability is uh, you know it's pretty important in the NBA, right? Like not being injured and being a solid player that can you can count on every day. And he started every game. He forced them to get rid of uh, our boy Dion Waiters, right? Uh, and uh, no, and he put up consistent numbers. Like we were saying, Tyler Harrow started off hot, but slowed down as the year went on, right? Whereas Kendrick Nunn was 16 a game pretty much every single month. He was right. just producing that, you know, 16, 3 and 3, 16, 4 and 4, and was around those numbers every single time. Right. So I thought that, would, that, played, that played up for him. And, uh, yeah, definitely. And for a playoff team, too. Yeah, that, I think that's the biggest thing when it comes to him is just, like you said, being able to do what he's doing but on a playoff team. Yeah. No, that's that's definitely a key part. Uh, what did you think about the fact that this guy went on drafted? Do you, like, do you think because he had he had issues when he was in college and uh, some allegations, uh, different allegations about his behavior? Do you think people should account for that when evaluating players, and that a guy with his talent would go on drafted? Or do you think that you're, you're more on the part of giving guys a second chance and betting on their talent and 
their culture um, and your organization to to you know provide um, some some solid stuff. I, I'm more on giving a second chance, but it's not so much you know on the talent. It's just our ability as a as a culture to you know change them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think that's more what I see. Like if you know there there's things on, I want to get to know the person, see where see where they're coming from. You get what I'm saying? Because Often, I think we, we point out people and we're like, oh, this person is a bad person. Or this person is this. This person is that. And you're not sure why he's behaving that way or why, exactly. you know what I'm saying? Like, they're doing what they're doing. And a lot of times, it just takes a very good conversation. And you're like, oh, okay. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you're, you're not a bad person. It's just circumstances have made, shaped you to behave a certain way that is not even you, that you're not even comfortable with. But you feel like you're forced to do it just because of the situation that you may have. Of the environment you were brought up in. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And so I'm, I'm a big fan of, you know, trying to give guys a second chance. Uh, obviously, you know what I mean? And not to go against your value too, as a, as an organization, you know, I mean, I'm not saying run after every talent and, you know, throw away, yeah, you know, disregard exactly, every, <laughs> every exactly. single thing that's happened with them. Right. Right. Because no. uh, sometimes like self-inflicted, there, there are a lot of self-inflicted pains in terms of, what guys do to their reputations like right you know i mean if if it's a repetitive thing then maybe it's more on the part of the kid that's not maybe you know uh yeah that that you can have questions about about his behavior um but I, i think coming back to what we discussed at the top of the show was the question of relatability right because uh if a lot of the people that are doing the evaluations or the interviews for this kid these kids do not understand the backgrounds in which they come from Mm -hmm. it's a lot harder for them to maybe assess a situation with the with the proper view i would say it really is it really is you know um so well in this case like it was it was a, a domestic battery uh, charge that he had, uh, right. but I think a kid that can average twenty six a game for assists or whatever, and uh, that has this type of ability, right. I think there's a way to approach a situation where you can see was he is he resourceful? Uh, did he do the the things necessary for him? Right. to really take care of that and maybe give them the this necessary chance because you know especially at that age these guys are coming out coming out of college at you know 18 19 20 years old so you're not going right. to destroy his life if you know not give him a chance because of a mistake that that he's made you know and especially if he wasn't brought up in the and the most uh, sensi- uh circumstances right but but at the same time too though i feel like he did get a second chance just because you know what i mean we say undrafted as if it was a bad thing but i feel like when you being drafted is a privilege you get what yeah, i'm saying and it is a and, privilege so when you go undrafted i feel like it's just it's a way for you to prove that you deserve that second chance yeah you get what i'm saying like somebody's taking a chance on you but it's a low risk chance because they didn't draft you. They didn't, you know, spend a draft, uh, a draft mm-hmm. pick on you. And then from there, you know what I mean? It, it's for you to prove yourself. If you feel like you're a change man, you took the proper step to, you know, fix whatever you needed to fix. Now 
this is an opportunity not to sh just show us what you can do on the court, but also, you know what I mean, show us that you've changed as a person off the court as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, and that is true that he, he had a ch second chance, but I think his talent level was of someone that should have gotten drafted. Without a question. That should have gotten that first shot. But I, I understand. But definitely, <laughs> like, he, he got the second chance and was able to, you know. Maximize uh, it. Ma maximize it, his opportunity. Right. Um, so our top two choices, I think we, we have the same thing. Right. I would guess it's uh, Zion and yeah. Jean Morin. Exactly. Uh, if you had to redraft today, would you follow the same order that they went one and two? Um. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll like. I feel like they both can be swapped. Um, my my only concern, or maybe if I gotta go, it, it may not be popular. I have, like, I understand if I have a job and I'm trying to keep it, I'll probably pick Zion. Mm -hmm. Um, but if I wanna <laughs> go with you know with my heart and as far as you know, just what job? So if, if you were a GM in the NBA, and I'm not trying would, to lose my job, I'm going with. No, not even. <laughs> you're you're safe in your job. You're pop. Man, <laughs> the the whole John Morant situation is very interesting. He's he's a special kid. Uh, you know, just his way. You know, his ability to, you know, create athleticism. Um, he can knock down shots. Uh, you know, he's fast. Uh, yeah, it's just. I feel like there's so much to work with when it comes to that. Uh, my only my biggest thing with Zion, and once again, I think we spoke about in the other. Cass is it's just basically when the time is off like how disciplined is he going to be about his weight situation you know yeah. he moves well and just you know just when he started he got hurt you know what I mean and I think the biggest thing is can he stay healthy to give you you know what you're paying him for and and that's my biggest thing and that may be the only reason why I wouldn't go with him but if that that box was checked but that 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 you can monitor also I mean how and, and in a sense, well, the thing is, if like, yeah, the time is off, but you can have him being on a, a certain program in terms of what he has to do to train, what he has to do to eat, what he has, to, you know, everything as far as nutrition go, as far as uh, he has to respect workouts it. go. Yeah. Yes, but I mean, he's getting paid millions of dollars. He is. And that that right there can get you to feel like you're invincible. <laughs> but but in and. In, in term, as far as Zion goes, I don't think he's a, an undisciplined kid. I just feel like, um, like to be able to have this type of game with a size, you have to be a worker. Right. You know, so I feel like he's worked on his game a lot. So he's going to be willing to put in the work and listen to the right people if he's being told, well, you need to do this and this and this if you want to last 15 years in this league. That that is that is definitely true, but at the and same I, time, he he's a human being. <laughs> oh yes, he's I'm a human that, being. But I, in my mind, like while I would still choose John, I feel like his talent is so far. It is ahead of any of those guys. That it is. If you advise him properly, and like even if Zion is eighty percent of what he's supposed to be at, at at his best, right? I think he's better than a lot of the guys in, in that class. Like without probably anybody in that class. Without a question, but right because now we're talking Zion about Max is my, yeah. Is, yeah, he, is he, he better than 
Ja uh, as a 80%? I think they're neck and neck. Ooh. 80% Zion is probably neck and neck with Ja. 100% wow. Zion is, is not even touched in this class. Wow. I think 100% 80% is neck and neck with Ja? I think 80% Zion is like an all-star perennial, like five or six time all-star. 100%, I think he's an all-star. 100% Zion is one of like the 15 greatest players ever. Max wow. I think he's like revolutionary. This kid is incredible. I've, he's, he's Barkley with better handles. Wow, wow, wow. I, I don't know, man. You, I'm, I'm shocked with that one, man. I'm, <laughs> you, you're not as high I'm, on I'm, Zion I'm, as I am? No, I, I am super high on Zion. It's just, I think I feel like incredible. I feel like you're a little too low on job with what you just said about the 80% situation. No, it's not being, it's not as, no, it's not being low on Ja. It's how high I am on Zion. But, like, what, ja, what, you're, what, what do you think is Ja's ceiling? Man. I think he could be one of the top point guards in the league easily. Okay, well, a lot of guys are top and, and, of the top point guards and, in the league. Do you think, like, in terms of the current pecking order in the league, do you see him more being closer to what a Curry is? Or I feel like he's what, more of a Russell, but a lot more tamed. So basically, a young Derrick Rose. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Damn, damn, damn. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Mate, well, I don't know, honestly. Maybe. Because for real, like, he, he's been doing the same as I far don't... as the numbers go and what he's been able to accomplish. It's probably close to what Derrick Rose was doing in his first year. Like, they got the eighth seed and he performed pretty well in the playoffs, went to the with Rondo. And I think if Ja had a chance to go in the playoffs, um, it would probably be something similar to that, you know, show up and show out yeah. uh, against some of the top guards in the league. But I just feel like Zion is, like, out of this world. He is. He is. I'm not taking that away. And that's why, like I said, my only knock on him <laughs> is his ability to, to stay in shape. That, that's my only knock on him. Aside from that, I feel like he's out of this world. Athletically, just... And even physically, just how he can move, you know what I'm saying, that mm -hmm. weight, you know what I mean? But it's that just weight. his, his and endurance if if is my biggest thing. If we're talking about him being maximized, it's about him developing a little bit of a jump shot. Right. And if that happens, that means his free throw percentage goes up. Right. That means he's able to knock some threes down. Right. That's one of the greatest plays of all time, bar none. If he's knocking down threes, he's a problem. If he's knocking down threes and shooting 80% from three, he is like a multi-time finals MVP. Oh, he's a problem. He's a problem. And that's my thing. It, like, if, even if you maximize Shaw, I don't know if that's better than Pete Chris Paul. <sighs> See, Chris Paul is special, so it's hard for me to say that. But I think he's not too far from that. No, it's um, not too far. Just but. because it's just the way Chris Paul sees the game, it's just, it's different. It's out of this world. So it's hard for me to say, okay, is he, would he be better than Chris Paul? But he's, he's, in a, he's in his own world, I would say. He doesn't have to be a Chris Paul, but Ja will be in his own world. But do you think you can build, because, and that's one thing we discussed last podcast, how hard it is to build a championship team around a smaller guard. 
I feel like Zion, you know, you have this prototype. This is six six guy. He's athletic. Right. He can finish around the rim. He has amazing touch. Right. Amazing, amazing. Like he, he's shooting close to 70%, over 70% in the paint. Right. Um, so you can kind of find, and he has good feel for the game. He can pass. He, he rebounds with the best of them. So you have this prototype of guy that you know you can build a team with shooters, guys that can play a little bit on both sides of the court. And you can be pretty sure you have a solid team that can compete for a championship. Right. When with a point guard, you have to surround him with a lot more key pieces. Choose in a little bit more, you know, with a little more finesse than building with a guy like Zion. I mean, listen, I think it, it is definitely easier to build a team around a guy like Zion. And, and like I said, like, as far as like talent, I'm not denying that Zion is more talented. It's just yeah. my, my, my biggest thing is his health. As mm. far as like being able to stay in shape and, and last, you know what I mean? Like being able to play. And I feel like the way Jot plays, he can play much longer than Zion if you look at those intangible. Now, he's if a little you, reckless, now, though. He, he is. He, he is. is. He's, he's like, to it, when he's we, have we to talk about young D. Rose, like, this is really what he looks like. like yeah, he no, throws he, himself out there. He's going to have to tone it down without a question. But I feel like it's easier for him to tone it down than it is for a guy like Zion to cut to down his up. weight and <laughs> to tone up <laughs> exactly you know what i mean it's just that that's my biggest thing but if you were to tell me listen none of them is gonna you know what i'm saying we're not looking at weight or whatever we're just looking at straight talent i'm right there with you zion is the first one i'm picking without a question but it's just it's that that check you know what i'm saying that uh, that box i'm trying to check and then right now it's not checking out for me so if you if you were drafting tomorrow, you'd you'd be hesitating between Jai and Zion. Yes. Okay, that's fair. All right. Um, so we'll go with the our all rookie second team. Um, so, I mean, this was a little harder because there are so many names that uh, we 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 could have gone to, but you know you have to pick five, and I think you know the five I had was. Most of them are non-playoff team guys, but, you know, they played well enough that you could consider them, like, you know, they had a positive impact on, on their team. Right. Uh, so as your fifth pick on the all-rookie second team, who did you have? Uh, fifth being last or just so? Uh, yeah, fifth being last. So the last one to get in. The last one to get in, I, just because I spoke about him <laughs> earlier, um... I want to go with Terrence. Yeah, Terrence Davis? Okay. Yes, I, I went with Terrence just because, you know what I mean? Like I was saying, it's just I feel like he's doing so well on, on the team that he's on. And yeah. like you said, the team is doing really, really well. And it's hard for me not to, to, to look at him. To, to consider him. Exactly. Um, I had a different choice. Like, I also had a guard, um, Kobe White from the Bulls. Okay. I think, you know, it's a little bit the same situation as RJ. Up and down to start the year, um, lost his minutes a little bit. You know, for a lead guard, it doesn't have the greatest of, you know, passing ability or creating for others. But I think 
he kind of carves himself into his role that he's probably going to have for the rest of his career, which is being uh, a third guard, uh, off the bench, spark club type of guy. Right. And I think that suits him pretty well. Like that's a kid that can really shoot the ball, um, can attack off the dribble, can finish with both hands. Right. Uh, it's pretty, he's pretty polished as a scorer. I remember watching him at the, uh, U18, FIBA America's U18. He was playing on a team with Cole Anthony and uh, Quinn Grimes, Matthew Hurt. He was the best scorer on the team. Uh, yeah. That guy filled it up. I think he got MVP of the tournament, actually. Yeah. Uh, it was just off the fact that, you know, he was a pure, pure, pure scorer. So him finding his role and averaging close to 13 points a game, over 13 a game, I think for me, he, he made the cut over, over Terrence uh, off of that. Okay. I mean, no, that, that, um, listen, I had a problem with it, but the, the, I think, like I said, the only thing that, that made the difference for me was, you know, him being on a performing team, but that, yeah. I'm definitely I'm not mad at your choice at all. You know what I mean? Especially when it comes to the second team, I feel like, you know, it could go either way. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like, look, the team wasn't good. He lost a lot of those games, but his last, uh, three weeks before the season ended, I mean, 33, 33, 35, 22. Like, he was a fantasy darling at the end of the right. year because he was right. doing that off of pretty solid efficiency, like, you know, 50, 40, 90 type of numbers. Right. So, I mean, the fact that he adjusted pretty well was a good testament to, uh, to his work ethic and how he was able to, you know, and also his talent. I, I, right. I think. Yeah. Uh, Four choice in the all rookie second team. Um, four choice, PJ Washington. Yep, that's our guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like what he did. Yeah. What What impressed you the most about about PJ this year? Um, I mean, I knew he was athletic. Yeah. Um, I just wasn't sure, especially like playing with a, a dude that I feel like is kind of similar to him on that team in Miles Bridges. Uh, Yes, Miles. <laughs> I didn't know how he was gonna fit in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and they 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 were able to make it work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and for he started shooting a lot more his last year at Kentucky, his second year, because you know Kentucky guys, you're a five star right. guy, and <laughs> your second year, you're basically like a senior. Um, he started shooting a lot more jumpers, and I was like, you know, that's a good sign because, and a lot like Miles. I felt like when they were in high school and college, I couldn't pinpoint what was their strength. Right. You know, I felt like those, those were two guys that they had good physique. They could rebound. They could finish a little bit. But it's not like they had an outstanding footwork. It's not like they were outstanding passers. It's just like, well, they have good basketball bodies. Right. But uh, PJ being able to be somewhat of a stretch four. Uh, can defend the two, three, four a little bit because of the fact that he's not the tallest, but he moves pretty well and he has long arms. I felt like, you know, he could maybe become somewhat like, like a, a Marcus Morris or Mark right. Morris, like, you know, in that. Yeah. Form. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's a role that you can have in the league for, for a couple of years, being able to, you know, be a solid defender, not the most amazing, just, solid, good positional defender, and also being a pretty good rebounder while uh, being able to make threes in the league. 
I think exactly. I I, I think that was uh, that was good to see from him. Yeah. Um, third choice. Uh, third choice. I'm gonna go with um, Michael Porter Jr. Michael Porter. Uh, yeah. Wait, what? Yes. Yes. He Michael Porter. Seven, seven points. He a did. Game. Yeah, he's also playing 14 minutes a game. <laughs> and you know, it's it's a really good team. And I feel like on a and compared, to like for example, you gave the example of Kobe White. If you have Michael Porter with the Chicago Bulls right now, what is he doing? Well, yeah. Well, if, if, he, if he wasn't with <laughs> Chicago, no. I mean, let me get this straight. Michael Porter Jr. <laughs> is an amazing talent, but you're not going to give a guy all rookie second team off of six, seven points a game. I don't know. I felt like in, his minutes were inconsistent. Like, it's not like he had the utmost yes, but- confidence from the coaching staff in Denver. Like, they were really bringing him along very slowly. They were, but and the thing he is- wasn't having the, like, the impact. Like, he averaged 14 minutes a game. We- but we're talking about we're talking about seven points when Terrence Davis was at seven points, and he's playing how many minutes? Seven minutes. How, yeah, no, I'm exactly. sorry. No, he's, playing, he's playing seventeen minutes, and the other one is at fourteen minutes, averaging the same amount of points. <laughs> I just feel like I, I just feel like Terrence Davis was in a lot more important Battles. situation. Yes, exactly. I, I, I he right was really with. out there in the trenches. While Michael Porter, a lot of his minutes came, you know, in garbage time, and a lot of his buckets came in garbage time. Like, yeah, he had a lot of outbursts in terms of scoring. You know, like he had, like, a random 15-point game, a random 25-point game. Right. It wasn't really the most consistent thing. Like, he had a stretch in January where where it was, uh, like, 18, 20, 15, 17, and all that, but... For most of the year, aside from that stretch, he was really a marginal player. No, the, the thing is, it's just, I'm looking at it and I'm like, like you said, the talent, but I feel like I, the reason why I allow myself to make that move is a lot of the guys that we're going to put on this list that we have put on this list are, are playing on bad teams. And you, you oh, especially them, in, the se- is in a second team, it's like, yeah, uh, Tankapalooza. You know, it's just yeah. <laughs> a lot of those guys are not playing for, for the playoffs, exactly. So, I feel like, why not? On a guy that we know is probably the most talented out of the whole second team, why not? You know what I mean? Like, because, he, because aside from three, two, two weeks in January, this guy was, uh, was at the bottom of the bench. If you if you take aside if you take off those two weeks in uh, in January, he's at like four points a game. All I'm saying is, if you put this dude right, because right now you're just dissecting his number and saying they're not valid numbers. But if you well, take this guy because yeah. and you know Eric but situation matters. Be, we 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 said we said situation mattered exactly. And the it, fact that he was drafted in a situation where they they really didn't need him until maybe the you know second stringer was injured that accounts for something and right. a guy like eric pascal that because you know he was my third choice yeah that gets an opportunity to uh to play right away and have great numbers and produce at a high level even if it's on the worst team in the league i mean 
I have to put him out there because he did that on, you know, not so inefficient numbers. Like he was solid. He had good performances. Right. You know, so <laughs> I think, I think that that should account for something like, let's say, you know, for instance, Eric Pascal averaged 14 on 50% shooting 29% from three, 77% from the free throw line. That's borderline first team all rookie team. The only thing right. is the Golden State Warriors didn't win any games. Exactly. So those numbers, they don't really matter. But the fact that he was able to be efficient and close to 30 minutes a game in the NBA, like it's an adjustment for everybody. I mean, I put, I put a lot of weight into that, honestly. Right. But I mean, I mean, Porter playing 14 minutes a game and having only one stretch of the year would work. <laughs> He was really valuable. Uh, I don't know. It's hard. It's really hard for me. <laughs> it's Listen, really hard. I, 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 I get it, but it's, like I said, I think in a situation like Air Pascal, yeah. he puts up the same number, might even be better. And, and that's why, you know, I'm looking at it like, ah, right, he's doing okay. Yes. You know what I mean? Look at the stretches. It wasn't great, but... Mm -hmm. Circumstances, like you said, changes, you know, his, his situation. Oh, definitely. Definitely changes everything. Uh, okay, well, I mean, that, that's your pick. Uh, I'm not going to judge it. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even think about my PG, honestly. To, to be honest with you, that wasn't a guy I had even in. Like, it didn't, came, it didn't cross my mind, uh, for real. Uh, but your second choice in the uh, all-rookie. Um, Eric? Choice. Okay. Yeah. Ooh. Pascal. Yeah. So no. I, I feel like you're missing somebody there. Yeah, I left out. I left out somebody, but <laughs> <laughs> the the thing is, I, I allowed Terrence to get into the five, which you know what I'm saying probably, you know, could have taken him out. Yeah. But then again, you know what I mean. It's just, you know, I have to cut somebody out. You know what I mean, and. <laughs> Okay, I feel like so, I know who you're thinking, but... <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know, because second choice, I had uh, Ashimura from... Exactly, exactly. That's who you I took out? Gonna, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's who you took out, so that's true. For a, second, for a second, I thought you had taken out RJ. No, I'm not that crazy now. <laughs> <laughs> we just had a whole debate about how I, I, I know he's better than, you know, Tyler, but it's just, I expected more from him, you know what I mean? And with all that room to, to navigate. But... Honestly, look at Rui's numbers. Rui put up 13 points, six rebounds on 48. You know, obviously, three-point shot is something he needs to adjust. But 48% right. from the field, 27 from uh, three, and close to 80% from the free throw. Actually, 83% right. from the free throw line. Those are pretty good numbers for Ricky. Today are good. And he, and, he, and he showed a lot in his game. Yeah, like, that's a guy people had questions. I don't know why people like if you had seen me, seen him at Gonzaga, you could tell that that, that kid had game. Like he he could post up, he could take out big guys off the first step, off the bounce. He had a solid mid range game. He could finish. He had a strong body. I don't know why why people questioned what his role was going to be. Like this is a prototypical forward in the league. Right, right, especially in Built, this day, day and age. Exactly, like positional positionless basketball. That, that guy can definitely take advantage of any mismatch. Right. So I wasn't sure why he went ninth overall. I probably had him, like, top six in my board. But, you know, 
things happen. But I, why did you leave him out? Why him? Um, why why Tyler and seven? Actually, his team is going in Orlando, so they're in the, they're in the bubble. They're they're not that far off from the playoffs. I should I should have probably take out Pascal over. Uh, so you still had Terrence? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm so you're, you're really you're really value winning. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. That's why I feel like I should have, you know, for playoff teams. I'm, it's big. Just because I feel like when you're on a bad team and you have a lot of room to operate, it, yes, you play against the top guys, but mm-hmm. at the same time, you know what I mean? Playing against the top guys, it's only either going to show how good you are or expose some of your lacks. Yeah. And, you know, and I think at the end of the day, when guys are not – performing we can't just say oh but they're going against the top guys yes you're supposed to go against the top guys you're and supposed, you're supposed to, to perform the... against the top guys no that, and that's for sure and but my argument for rj because i feel like you're attacking my argument for, <laughs> for, for rj right there um it was really the fact that he really adjusted well also no because that the, that situation was really hippie to start the year and the fact that he was able to consistently get better and really become, like, at the end of the year, it was a solid starter. He was 18 a game and, and so on. Right. So I felt like he deserves that, you know, those credentials to be on the all-rookie first team. Because, right. like, let's say a guy like, you know, Swaggy Pole from, from the Warriors, he, right. he had minutes. But right. that exposed, you know, the lack of abilities that he had. You know, he exactly. shot poorly from three, shot poorly from the field. Like, you could tell that that's not necessarily a kid that was ready for that role right away. But the situation made it out that he has to play that role. And, you know, there's good exposure and bad exposure, and he's going to learn from it. He's going to be able to go on, watch tapes, and say, okay, well, I'm not a good finisher. Like, I shot 33% from the field. That means he shot less than 40% from two. So, you know, he's going to be able to work on those things and really figure out how he can – get better to last in the league because that's that's one tricky thing you know you can have um you can get drafted you can get drafted in a first round that doesn't mean that you're going to get past that second contract right that first contract you know right. so you really really have to maximize the opportunities that you get and make sure that if you didn't have a good rookie year didn't have a a solid you know showing in that first first or second year that you know you prove yourself and and get those things right right no definitely definitely uh so i guess my first pick which was uh your other pick in the first team so my first pick for the uh all all rookie second team was uh tyler harrow you had rj yeah i had rj okay oh that's fair enough i I think we're pretty close it's just yeah you put a lot more emphasis on the on winning Definitely. I did. I think, to me, being able to put up numbers while adjusting to the league, I value that, especially putting up efficient numbers. And I, I, I value it. It's just I feel like uh, coming into the game, um, he, you know, I had a lot of expectation. And I feel like a lot of the – did he actually adjust or things would kind of move to fit him? You get what I'm saying? Like – and I feel like I think that, it, it was probably a little bit of both, but is that a bad thing? Because it's, they're, it's they not were supposed bad, to build around him anyway. It's it's not a bad thing. It's just once again, you 
you got to get in the gym and, and, and work on your, on your craft. You get what yeah. I'm saying? And that's definitely true. And I think once things get started moving for you, especially when you're supposed to be the franchise guy, it, it's a little scary because it kind of puts you in a box where now if whatever shape is being brought to you doesn't fit, then automatically mm-hmm. it's not working out. No, but at the same time, for, for things to be uh, ran through you and for it to work, you have to have that level of talent. Because yes. the year prior, they tried to do the same thing around Kevin Knox. And that didn't necessarily pan out because, you know, people realized that maybe his talent level wasn't where everybody thought it was. Right. You know, so, I mean, I don't think you could, you should quit on a kid like Kevin Knox. He has, he has potential. He has, you know, great length. And if he works on his shooting and if he works on his ball handling, he could definitely be a, a, a good prospect and a good player down the road. But the fact that RJ was put in, a, in an advantageous situation and was able to really prove that he was worth taking at that spot as far as the later in the year goes, I think that plays in the balance that, yeah, he needs to work on certain things in his game, but he has the goods. You know what I mean? Right. Like you're not being sold a, a broken toy. You know, right. This, this kid can, can actually compete to become a, a borderline all-star or even an all-star. Yeah. No? Yeah. Uh, so we're going to move on to our next subject. And talking about prospects, I think uh, this is something that we really, really wanted to talk about because once the uh, the the season ended, uh, a lot of the rankings, regardless of class, and the award season started for high school players. And the National Player of the Year, actually, some of the awards, some of them went to Kate Cunningham, but others went to Imani Bates who was hey. only a sophomore in high school. <laughs> Money. So, <laughs> so we wanted to look at the, uh, the rankings, the high school player rankings, regardless of class. So ranking class of 2020, 2021, 2022. Uh, but, you know, not ranking 2023 because last year they were only freshmen and the first ranking uh, just came out. Did you actually see that ranking, the uh, 2023 ranking? Uh, no, I don't think I've seen it. You didn't get a chance. So the number no. one prospect in the draft, uh, is, uh, DJ Wagner. So that's, uh, the Juan, uh, the Juan Wagner son. Ooh. Yeah. He, he's the a little, he, he has a little father uh, of his father in his game. You know, he's, Man, that's... he's smooth. He's smooth with it. Can shoot a little bit. Uh, has really, really crafty with the ball, especially for his age. Right. He, he looks good out there. Hopefully, he can, you know, continue to improve. And, oh, he's in uh, good hands, for oh, sure. he's in good hands, for sure, for sure. You know, daddy, daddy was a pro, so. And right. he wasn't one of those pros that, you know, couldn't play. He had, right. he had a lot of game. Yes, he did. You know. He, Hold on, didn't he score like 100-something points in high school? Yeah. No, he did. He did score 100-something <laughs> points in high school. And his rookie year, I think he had a – I remember he had a 30-point game, like his second game in the league against Toronto. He had like 33. Yeah. Like, what was this guy? <laughs> like, oh, yeah, the Juan. Um, but there was a little controversy because uh, – have you heard about this kid, Mikey Williams? Yeah, I'm just looking at it right now. 
<laughs> yeah, they bumped off my boy Mikey. <laughs> so, because Mikey was, you know, people really assumed that he was going to be the number one ranked kid. Uh, right. Because he's been dominating the AU scene ever since he was like in sixth grade. Right. Um, and he's at number three. But yeah. so Mikey went out on social media and started talking about uh, DJ Wagner ducking smoke because his school never wanted to play his school and so on. It was a little, some funny uh, benchers from the kids. But I liked that though. I liked it. No, I, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed the competitiveness, but I think kids have to understand that those rankings don't really mean anything. <laughs> it, it doesn't. Thing. It doesn't. But at the same time, though, if if he takes it personal, and I'm sure DJ probably feels like he deserved that spot, then yeah, yeah. let's get it. You know what I mean? Let's no, make let's, it <laughs> let's get it. And if it pushes pushes him to really work on his game, because I mean, Mikey is what six one. He's right. really athletic, but you know, if he's not going to grow too much, he's going to need to become a point guard. Right. You know, so right now he's, he's pretty much like he's, he's a great scorer, but I mean, if he wants to play the point at the next level, then he's going to need to polish up certain things in his game. So um, if it pushes him to play, uh, to, to, to work on his game a lot more than for the better, but it, it can't be about solely the rankings. It should be about, you know, why, why didn't they think that I deserve that number one spot when I've been right. Up? crazy numbers you know he had right he had a 72 point game this year so i mean putting that up as a freshman i I think you should deserve some recognition for that but you know right i mean there's things in this game that he needs to work on he needs to polish up certain things polish up his shot polish up definitely his decision making and everything uh because it's also i mean those rankings are also ranking prospects it's not necessarily ranking the player itself it's about who do you feel is going to have the most success also at the next level? And how do they translate that to the next level? So Mikey being a 6-1 scorer, whereas uh, DJ being a 6-3 point guard, I mean, in terms of the prospect, it's a lot e- It's really easy to, to see which one translates better to the next level. Exactly, exactly. And the thing is, you know I mean? And you were saying it earlier, when it comes to prospect, at the end of the day, you know what I mean? Like, if you get in ranked as a freshman, the goal is to make sure that as a senior, you either you moved up or you kept the same ranking if you're at the top. You know exactly. what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, not being ranked number one today as a freshman does not mean a thing at all. You know what I mean? And at all. At all. It, Especially that they, they've only ranked 25 guys. It's like they haven't seen a lot of those kids. Exactly. You know, a lot of kids are out of the radar. I mean, Mike has been on the radar because – you know, he's played on the uh, uh, Blue Chips with Bronny James. And right. last, last summer he was playing for, uh, what's that team in, on the West Coast? The Adidas team. Um, it was like a branch of um, Magics. Yeah, Compton Magic, exactly. Yeah. He was playing for a branch of Compton Magic. So he's had the exposure, like big-time exposure. So right. a lot of people know him, and a lot of people have been seeing him dominating. But, like, they're – Hidden gems out there that are probably has as talented as him and right. could down the line be better prospects than he is. So he really needs right. to focus on the right things and low, low not, key. If I'm him, sorry to cut you off. Yeah, I want to know why they didn't put me number one. Exactly. And 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 work on that because exactly. you're right. If you had that much exposure and they're still not convinced that you're number one, 
You that should be saying? a red flag to you. That should be a red flag to you, <laughs> and you want to clean up some of those, you know what I'm saying, flaws as much as you can so that when the time is ready and it's for, it's for you to go to whatever school and for you to, you know, try to make it to the league, then you you have all those boxes checked. But exactly. if you take it personal, you want to go – the thing is, he could probably go against DJ and let's say give DJ 50 points. And but I'll just play like him. You said, mm-hmm. Just like you said, if he's not a point guard and that's probably going to be his position, he might not get drafted because they're going to say he's undersized. He might not shoot it as well. And all of it because you kind of base your whole future on beating DJ as a freshman. Exactly. And not focusing on, on, on the right things when you're, when you're a kid and just exactly. being like, oh, well, I cannot play anybody. That means I'm the best. Like, yeah, somewhat, but how do you translate at the very highest level? Exactly. You know? exactly. How do you, you know, and, and it's going to be really interesting to see uh, some of those guys at the, uh, well, they're going to get invited, all, all of them, to USC basketball <laughs> that's gonna uh, be training camps. So uh, that's going to be really interesting. Right. So we can go ahead uh, for our top five rankings, regardless of class. So 20, class of 2020, 2021, 2022. Oh, um, so same principle, we're just going to go ahead, give our reasoning behind our, our choices, what we like about those kids and, and their game and so on. So right. who did you have rank fifth? I may, I may have Bro. done something that, you know, I might be hated for, but <laughs> <laughs> um, I went with Scotty, Scotty Barnes. Um, okay. I really like that kid, man. The more I watch film on him, the more, because um, watching him play, he has good IQ, passes the he, ball he, well. He can really pass the ball. Yo, and <laughs> I'm like, he fits exactly into this new brand of basketball. He's, he's, and the kid has extremely long arms. Yes. He's like, he can cover so much ground on defense and the fact that you can play him at multiple positions on offense. And we talked about Jonathan being a Kawhi. I'm seeing Kawhi and Scotty. Oh, yeah. Defensively, he already has. Yes. Like the mentality. He plays with that motor like he's intense. I'm like, nah, Scotty got to be on my top five. <laughs> I was like, I don't care who I'm. Who's going to hate me for this and who I'm taking off? But Scotty has to get a spot. And, and, and one thing to me that about Scotty that I think I, I value a lot is the fact that all those guys get invited to the USA camps. Yep. Scotty has been a staple on the USA team since yes. he was 16. He was right. played under 16. He was playing under 17. He played under 19. And he was one of the youngest guys on the under-19 team. And he so, was playing. Yeah, exactly. Like, it wasn't like this guy was coming off the bench. Or, that's why no, I was sold with that. This guy was playing. Like, a guy that's coming in in the draft this year, Isaac Okoro, was his backup. And Isaac Okoro was, is going to be a top, like, five, six pick. That's crazy. And Scotty, Scotty Barnes was playing ahead of him. I didn't have him on my top five because I feel like his shooting is really an issue. It is. And as far as prospects and players go, I, I felt like he didn't have the complete package. Like, he can help you win a lot of games, but can he really be the main guy on your team? Um, when I picked him, I'm not sure if I saw him right away as a main guy. I think it was more like he could be an incredible secondary guy. 
Yeah. And a lot of these guys that we're probably going to pick, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be that main guy, but can they be an incredible secondary? And I think Scotty can be an incredible secondary guy. Um, the, his intensity defensively, the shot, yes, it needs to show up eventually. But as far as the package, he is one of the most ready as far as like if you build in a team, you know what I mean? Just defensively, because when all fails, he can defend and pass the heck out of the ball. Yeah, and rebound. And rebound. And he and the crazy part, he defends multiple position. Oh yeah, he, he, he could he can defend one to five. And that's scary. That's why I, I'm betting on him because even if the shot never shows up, with the new brand of basketball, he's an undersized big. He's a Draymond oh, yeah. Green, basically. Yeah, basically. You know what and, I mean? <laughs> and the thing is, he probably picked the right school to go to because he's going to Florida State. Right. Um, the job that they've done with their wings the last few years, uh, especially the guys that, that are coming into this year's draft, so Patrick Williams and Devin Vassell, I think those are prototypes of guys that are basically poor men, Scotty. Right. And those two guys are going to be first-round picks. Yeah. So <laughs> if you're thinking those two guys are going to be first-round picks and Scotty has better size, uh, better IQ, and plays as hard as anybody I've ever seen in the last 10 years in high school basketball, uh, I think that bulls really well for him and he could end up being a lottery pick in, in uh, next year's draft. Yes. Uh, as in my in my in – my, uh, Top in my fifth as my fifth pick, I had. Um, I think I, I'm gonna piss off a lot of people because he's ranked number one <laughs> on ESPN. I had Jalen Green. Don't worry, they might hate you. They might hate you. They might hate me more after we're done with this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> the reason yes. why I, I had Jalen Green fifth because, right. look again, what I saw last year at the U19 was not very convincing for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I felt like Jalen was a bit of a liability defensively. Mm-hmm. I felt like off the dribble, he had some deficiencies. He's not a guy that can really create for it. Mm-hmm. And his weekend needs a lot of work. A lot of work. But he's really an improved jump shooter. Right. That's one thing I, uh, I got to give him because I've been watching him since he was 15, 16. His jumper has gotten a lot better. He shot the heck out of the ball this year for prolific prep. Uh, right. Off the catch, off the dribble. His one dribble pull-up going right is probably better than right. his one going left, even though it's like it's a more natural uh, sh- shooting for right people, right-handed people to shoot going to off the dribble, off the left, uh, right. left hand. But, you know, him going right is really solid. He's an incredible athlete. Like, mm-hmm. this guy is like Michael Jordan type of athleticism. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I just think he needs to polish up a lot, a lot in his game. He uh, does. He's, he's still a little raw, but if he works, I think he could be an incredible, an incredible player. But his size also bothers me. Uh, I guess, you know what, it, maybe I, I just got to get it out so – because I yeah. may not talk about him later, but I, I agree with you on that, that, that the size, and that's why he didn't make my top five. He didn't uh, make your top five at all? I knew it. I knew oh. it. <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't just because 
Um, because I didn't have Scotty, honestly. I know you didn't have Scotty. I know yeah. you didn't have Scotty because you know the the way you're talking. But just for example, just talking about the 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 U19 team. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's why Scotty had to make it over him. Scotty had a greater impact. Oh, Scotty had a big impact. And that's why. Once and again, another guy that we didn't put. Sorry to cut you off. That had more impact than. I think Jalen, especially in the finals, was uh, Jalen Suggs. Right. Uh, point guard is going to Gonzaga. He's, he's really, you know, a little built like, it reminds me a little bit of Deron Williams. His physical, right. like how strong he is and how, just how solid he is as a, as a playmaker and all. Um, but yeah, go ahead with what you're saying about Jalen and his size. <laughs> <laughs> so, He's a shooting guard, yep. right? And I feel like a shooting guard, he's slightly undersized, being 6'5". Yeah. He's six, yeah, 6'5". Six, yeah. yeah, and and the thing is, he is an improved jump shooter, but it still needs a lot of work. Yeah. And his ability, you know, that, that, to get off those shots, I just feel like once, once you're that size, even though he's a great athlete, it's, it's a hit or miss. And I feel like the range is so big as far as like ability to miss that I rather bet on a dude like Scotty just because of the intangibles that I spoke about that even if he's not scoring a point for you, you still need back. him on your team. Yeah. And that's why I decided to bet on him just because I was like, man, like he's Scotty's six eight versus Jalen being six five. And you know what I mean? Like the intangibles, and it's like Right now, we're betting on Jalen being a really good scorer to have a great career in the league. Yeah, and betting on the fact that he could be a main option. Exactly. When we see, we already see deficiencies in, in terms of him being a, a good pastor and being able to create for others. Because if right. you look at his numbers on the U.S., like, obviously, you know, in high school basketball, he averaged like 31, yeah. and 5. but. Right. His number, U16, he averaged uh, 10 points a game, two rebounds, basically no assists. Uh, under 17, he won MVP. He was 16 a game, two rebounds, one assist. And last year, U19, 10 points, two rebounds, one assist. So aside from scoring, this guy basically doesn't provide not much at the highest level. Right. So that's an issue. And that's why I had him fifth, because I felt like if – I can contain him with a guy like Scotty, for instance, that's a really good defense that could probably contain him to uh, a bad game. Exactly. What does he bring to the table? Exactly. And that, and that was my thing. <laughs> it, 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 was, it was tough for me, but, you know, that, that, was, my, that was my thing right there. Yeah. Uh, no. Well, so, so we're on the same page for, for Jalen, but I just think I still feel like his scoring ability puts him slightly ahead of uh, Scotty, uh, his, your fourth pick. That's uh, where the, your fourth player rank. Jonathan. Jonathan Kuminga. Okay. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I picked Jonathan. We spoke about him before. Uh, I think you know physically a little bit like Scotty, where physically, if it all fails, yeah. um, he can make something happen on the defensive end of the, of the court and athletically. Yeah. And, and like I said, with, with the new brand of basketball going on, these guys are very 
you know what I'm saying, important in the game just because when you go small ball, you know what I mean, a dude like them that are, they have the skill set, they automatically become very intriguing because now you got a foreman that can handle the ball a little bit and, you know, do a little more than just, you know, rebounding and, and laying up the ball. Yeah. No, definitely. And, and the fact that with his size, he, yeah, he can defend multiple positions. And if he, if he improves the shooting, that's another kid. If he improves the shooting, right, he's definitely uh, up there uh, exactly. among, among the very best players in, in his class and down the line. Uh, but that's the reason I had somebody else uh, <laughs> that's probably going to shock people. Again, right. maybe, maybe my Canadian bias. But <laughs> uh, I had Caleb, Caleb Houston. Uh, Wang for Monverde Academy uh, played on the Canadian under 16 last year and showed out like was to me was by far the best player in the tournament. Right. Uh, obviously, Chris Livingston won one MVP because the US won, but um, Caleb reminded me of uh, a bit. I mean, maybe it could be blasphemous for some people. A young Jason Tatum. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know, man. He's such a good scorer. He's he so polished. He's so skilled, and he can shoot the ball so well. I mean, I like I, him. He's smooth. He's really smooth. But to so, Jason to, Tatum, though, a young Jason Tatum, yes. He's, Tatum. he's only he's only a sophomore in high school, by the way. He is. He is, but. And Jason he played Tatum. heavy minutes for, for Montverde. Like, he was he there. Did. They're like, they had that starting five, obviously, all seniors that went high major. But, like, well, four seniors that went high major plus Caleb. And it's like, well, if Caleb is making shots today and he can go up for above 15, they're winning by 45. No. Uh, like, I, he was... I, I, him being such an important piece of one of the greatest high school teams we've had in recent years. Right. Plus how he showed out uh, international basketball and how he, showed, he continues to show out in the AAU circuit. To me, it's like he has all the makings of a go-to scorer at the next level. Right. You know, he can shoot the ball. He can put it on the floor with both hands. He can finish. Right. He... He has great length. Um, yeah, I don't like. I don't see why I wouldn't put him ahead of a kid like Jalen or and him instead of a guy like Jonathan because I see a lot less flaws in his game than I see for Jonathan. There, there is. But how tall is that kid? About six five, six four. Caleb? Yeah. No, he's six seven, six eight. <sighs> okay. Yeah. Now I have to. I'm gonna have to revise that. That's the thing. I was looking at him. I, I I liked him, but I was like, if he's if he's not that tall, it it changes the game a little bit. Oh no, he's tall. Even Man. in FIBA, he was listed at six nine. Golly, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to scratch my whole my whole list up a little bit. <laughs> That's why I said Jason Tatum because yeah. the size and the skill. Yeah, I was like, man. That's a guy I've seen before, and I've seen that I've seen that type of player succeed really right. well at the next level. Right. No, because looking at the tape, he did he did, physically 
and maybe because he's younger, physically he does not look that tall. No, he's at, he has a slight, fr- a slight frame. The thing is, like a guy like Jonathan has really broad shoulders. Right. So he looks big. Yeah, he looks and even because I've seen him court. next to Scotty and stuff like that, and Scotty looked like a monster next to him. Exactly. Those guys are like, no, they're built like adults. But right. Caleb still has some room, some room to grow in terms of his, his physique. But as far as, you know, he's, he's six, eight, six, nine, 170 pounds. Oh, right? man. Yeah, he's oh, really I'm going really I'm to have to look into him a little more. Because now I feel like I like him a little better knowing that, you know what I mean? He's, he's a little taller. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He fits into, you know, my, my frame of players, you know what I'm saying, that I like to, to watch play just because, like you said, him being that high, highly skilled, highly um, skilled. It, it changes things a little bit, man. That, this is my list, but I'm going to have to, if we got to talk again in about a few months about this list, it might change up really quick. <laughs> <laughs> Caleb Houston might be at the top. Yeah, right he might be. He might be right behind my 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 other two. Yeah. Uh, so your third pick, uh, I guess. I think I think you had to change your heart about this one because I might. Uh, I might. I might. I let me go. Let me go back and watch film and because <laughs> I liked him. I just I just didn't realize he was that tall. Yeah. No, he's really tall. He's pretty. He's pretty big. <laughs> Um, yeah, so go ahead with your third pick. Uh, hold on, no, it's my fourth now. It's your fourth? No, you yeah. said John. You said Scotty, then John. Now Scotty, then John? Yeah, now you have your third. Scotty. I said, I said Jillian Caleb. You're right, you did say it. Um, Yvonne Mobley? Evan Mobley, yeah. Yeah, just, um, I, I liked him, uh, just... Being a seven-footer, how mobile he is. Yeah. Um, the, the only thing that kind of pumped my brakes as far as I trying to bump him a little higher um, was just I, I didn't see him shoot the ball much. Well, yeah, um, he, he has nice touch. I, the thing is, is it reliable? Because the thing is, this is why I see him. I see him as a big, obviously. He's not going to yeah. be. And, and, and looking at him handle the ball a little bit, it, it kind of reminded me of uh, how I got fooled with um, uh, the the kid from uh, from the Kings. What's name? Left-handed. Oh, Marvin Bagley. Marvin Bagley. And oh, a lot yeah, of times no. when you see these guys in high school <laughs> and they're handling the ball, you kind of get carried away a little bit. Yeah, thinking, oh, no, don't he's get carried away. KD. Exactly. No. <laughs> so, so looking into, it, I was like, man. And I was like, hold up, no, I'm not gonna get carried away by you know him showing some of the skill set and whatnot. You know what I mean? Even though it, it's good, but it's just, I was like, no, he, he's a big. Um, and I think he fits into the new, the new age of bigs. The, the, what's his name from Utah? And um, Gobert. Gobert, you know what I'm saying? As far as like athleticism, long. I think he moves better. He and moves obviously a lot he's better. way more skilled. I'm not saying yeah. they're the same guy, but I'm saying like those guys, once again, they're becoming key because they set that screen roll down the middle and roll it's really you, hard. Yeah, exactly. You step in to hit them or they're getting the open dunk. Or when you step in to hit them, the shooters are outside getting shots. And you know what I mean? That's why I feel like regardless of his offense, he could still find a way to be successful because a guy like Clint Capella found a way to be very successful. He was doing really yeah. good for Houston. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and those guys are becoming pretty valuable. The long guys that can move and, and block shots and, you know, catch and finish, run the floor. Um, so that's why I put him, I put him as my number three. Yeah, no, that's, that's a kid uh, I've really liked. Um, because I, I became aware of him because there's another kid that was in, that's in the class of 2020 that's going into the G League, uh, Isaiah Todd. And right. in the under-16 team, Evan Mobley didn't make it, but Isaiah Todd was on it. But in the under-17, they cut Isaiah Todd, and, uh, but they picked Evan Mobley. Right. So I, I wasn't unsure. Uh, I wasn't sure like how good he was, and you know he kind of popped out of, not out of nowhere, but he was a late bloomer compared to the other guys. Right. But seeing him um, at the Worlds at the 17s and what he brought to that team, I was like, okay, yeah, I understand the pick because he was he had great feel for the game. He's a pretty good passer. Right. He has really nice touch around like 15. Like he doesn't shoot threes really. Right. He moves really well. Pretty athletic. He's not the the rim defender that you would like him to be. Right. Especially for his size. Um but I feel like he has a lot to offer in terms of his offensive package, you know, right. what he brings to the table. He's he's pretty much like a Marvin Bagley. He is. Said. That's and what I, that's probably what I mean. a, a Marvin Bagley with better passing skills. Right. So that gives you a really, really interesting prospect. Yeah. Like under, and the, the thing is, in, in the under-19 team, he didn't have any minutes. You know, no, he, was, he didn't. I was actually was disappointed playing. with that, looking at the, the, the game films. Yeah, but, you know, he was playing behind guys like Reggie Perry and, you know, those monsters that are built with bowling ball shoulders. Right. Um, so, you know, and especially at that age, at the U19 level, him being a younger kid, uh, 17, I mean, they, they chose to play those guys over him. But I think I think he has a bright future with the the package that he offers right. as far as, as uh, his offensive skill set. So yeah, that was my pick for three. I was hesitant about it to put him that high because of you know the fact that he has a slight frame for being a seven footer. Right. Doesn't probably doesn't defend as well as you would want him to defend, but. Passing and having a nice touch and being an athletic big guy. Mobile big, yeah. Exactly. You know, is that a premium in today's game? And it is. Positionless basketball, it, it is at a premium. And one other thing is defense, that's the thing about judging defense for young kids. A lot of times it's about knowing what you're supposed to do. Yeah. So having the right coaching probably – erases a lot of it if you yeah. really coach well and coach by the proper people they're going to teach you how to play proper def- defense and how to position yourself properly so you're going to be able to have an impact especially at that size exactly so i felt like i could discount a little bit for him and then you know his, his offensive package is a lot of things that you you can't teach really well right you know so, uh, number two, I feel like this is going to be hard for us to, <laughs> to figure out for 2-1-1. I think we have the same guys, but yeah. as far as what ranking, which one we put at, at one and which one we put at two, uh, it's going to be up for debate. So, who did you have at two? 
Um, I came to peace <laughs> with my decision. <laughs> it was tough. I told you it was messing up my day, man. I was trying to figure out. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm like, um, I went to Imani Bates. Okay. Um, <laughs> just just the simple fact. I, I that know. I know you really like Imani. I I like I'm him. surprised you didn't have yeah. that one. No, it was I'm tough. Really it was surprised. going heart versus mind right there. That was the battle that was happening. Yeah. Um, and basically what happened was I was watching, you know, these films and I saw his team get impounded and, you know, I didn't, I, I would have liked him to step out more and, and take a little more control. And it was a physical yeah. game and it showed that he was a bit younger and he still got room to grow. Mm-hmm. And, and him being number two doesn't mean he's not the better player out of the, the, the rank. And it's just, I feel like in this, Right now, just like we spoke about earlier, you know what I mean? Ranking right now doesn't mean it's the same. Yeah, it doesn't, you know, what you do right now, it doesn't mean that, you know what I'm saying, like, it's going to be the same thing in a five years from now, even in a year from now, even six months from now. So, you and know, me, yeah, it doesn't mean that he's not the better prospect. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's why I was looking. I was like, you know what? Uh, I'm going to be fair uh, with the number one K. Um, yeah. I just feel like right now in this moment, and just like we spoke about Cade, if we were to put him, you know, in the league right now, he can do something. And I he feel like right now, yeah, Imani is not ready for that right now, just because of, you know, his age, he's still got to grow, still got to get a little stronger. And, but the skill set is there though. The skill oh, set is, this kid is, got game. is there. Oh, yes. Like there, 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 there's been a lot of, you know, next KDs. I, I feel like that's you one thing. I feel like. Yeah, in this generation, Kitty sort of, sort of like you know, in the past, uh, maybe it was the next MJ, like before MJ was the next Doctor J or the next Magic. For this generation, I think the guy that people have been looking for is the next KD because all those kids try to model their game because it's cool to be tall and being able to handle the ball. But this is the closest I've ever seen. As far as um, yeah. being able to like, yeah. Yeah. have yeah. the mobility that KD had at, their, at that age, the shooting yeah. touch, uh, yeah. the ball handling ability. How to pick his shots. Yeah. And, and the total package. Because the thing people don't realize, KD had a lot of those moves that he's doing now back when he was 16, 15. Yeah. Like, KD was a problem at a young age. Yeah. And... A lot of you know, a lot of kids trying to model their games after KD, and they're trying to step out and become pyramidal players when they're 16, 17, when they weren't brought up to be pyramidal player. But exactly. that's one thing about Imani, like you know, they did whoever did this job did a really, really good job of you know letting him playing out on the perimeter as a young kid and let him develop those habits of a pyramidal player and you know let him cook because he has all the fundamentals to be a wing, a guard exactly. at the next level. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I had him number two also on my list. Right. Uh, like we said, you know, Cade is ahead of the class just because he brings the total package. Yep. As far as him, uh, you know, like we said, he has great feel for the game. He can shoot the ball. Uh, he can really pass. He's, he's a six, seven point guard. So it's really a, a mashup problem for anybody because him being a seven, six, seven point guard, not only 
you have to, to guard him with bigger players. But if you guard him with a small player, he really takes advantage of, uh, advantage of those matchups. Right. He goes out in the post and, you know, does his work. So it's uh, – for me, it was an easier choice, I think, because I felt like, you know, Imani's putting up great numbers. Right. But even in the EYBL, like, Imani's still playing 15s, you know? Right. You know, if he was playing 17s and he was dominating 17s, then I would have been it like, you know what? Different. Yeah. It would have been different. But Cade was MVP of the UIBL. So, uh, and put up like 25 a game and dominated the circuit. It made, made it look like a choke. So. Right. <laughs> to me, it was, as of right now, I feel like Cade is the better player and closer to uh, what we consider like a great prospect because, you know, Imani has still has to develop those things that we we think he lacks to become a great player, right? And then the fact the, that, yeah, and then what? Go ahead. No, I was gonna say that's why you know what I'm saying like I I put him number two. You know what I mean? If yeah. if I'm making the right, you know, uh, you know, uh, mental decision versus going mm -hmm. with my heart, you know, it, yeah. you got to consider the fact that he still got some work to do to be the guy that we see him to be. Exactly, whereas Kate is a lot closer to being that guy. You know, exactly. obviously he can maximize himself and become one of the greatest point guards we've seen, but he's a lot closer to being a really good pro than Kate is, uh, than, than Imani is, sorry. Right. All right, so that, that was our ranking. Um, I mean, it may shock a lot of people, but I think, We gave our explanations to why we made those choices, so um, so, <laughs> so 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 we make everything clear. Um, right. With with that, uh, there's been with the sparking of the uh, social changes and the current discourse about uh, black players and uh, white coaches profiting from black black players and so on. There's been. Uh, a revival of the sentiment that the best prospects should go to the uh, HBCUs. Right. So uh, actually the kid we were talking about earlier, Mikey Williams said, you know, posted a tweet that said uh, it wouldn't be too bad to go to a, to a HBCU. So I was wondering what was your take on that situation? And uh, how did, how, how do you view that? You know, the kids not going to those much bigger schools with, more revenue that have probably better reputation as far as academics go and choosing uh, the, pack, the, the path to uh, go to HBCUs? Um, I, I feel like uh, what, if we're talking strictly basketball decision, I don't think it's necessarily the best just because of exposure. Mm -hmm. um, but if we're thinking like morals and as far as like how, what everything going on now and, you know, as far as supporting you know, uh, the, the, the black community and as far as things that we're doing, I think, you know, it, it's a great, you know, step that, you know, they, they want to go to a place where, you know, they, they feel like they, you know, they, they got the support of their own, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I don't see anything wrong with that. I feel like it's actually, you know, one thing about this, this new generation is they, you know, they, they, they try to stand, you know what I'm saying, for, for something they, they personally believe in. You know what I yeah. mean? They, if they believe in a cause or whatever, they, you know, they, they get after it. And I think, and, and, you know, and I think they realize more than the previous generations 
what kind of power that they have. Exactly, too. That, 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 that might be the biggest thing is them understanding the, the, the power shift. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And, 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 and as you were saying, the exposure uh, is one thing, but at the same time, I feel like the exposure comes to those bigger schools by having those, some of the better players. Right, right. You know, but, because... but, but I feel like now this may take a few sacrificial lambs just because, you know what I mean? If, if let's say Mikey decide to go to HBCU yeah. and, you know, they, they may not be as good. That's for but sure. Let's say the next they didn't generation. They 12, 12 Mikeys. That's exactly. Right. But let's say the next generation, they attract three, four Mikeys. Then, yeah, they could be top 25 team and they just started a trend that could go mm-hmm. on for a few years. Kind of like, yeah. you know, Kentucky. Kentucky was down for a little bit until yeah. John Calipari got there, and then he kind of brought in these All-Americans, and then, boom, Kentucky is on top of the food chain. No, and, and it's the same thing for a school like Gonzaga, which is a smaller school and could probably better represent a niche where it's a school that was struggling. They made uh, some a couple NCAA tournament runs, and that provided them with greater exposure. And, you know, they've been able to attract a lot of international players, a lot of top prospects, and that built their name as far as being a competitive program in a country when they're not necessarily in the best conference, but they're always a perennial contender to win the national championship. So, right. So I think if a school like, for instance, Howard University uh, could attract, you know, maybe two or three guys that brought them, brought them national recognition as far as maybe being a top 25 ranking, like you said. Yeah, that, that would probably create a wave. And then, you know, because the thing is, if a school in a conference is dominant, that will push other schools in that same conference to yes. maybe recruit out of their range. Exactly. You know, competition breeds excellence in a way. Yep, because you're, tra- you're, you know, you're only as good as what the the best guy. It's you know, it's a copycat world. Uh, exactly, you can say you know the best thing. You're trying to push towards that. So if in those conferences that are um, that have a majority of HBCU schools, well, if you have a Hampton University or Howard University or whatever that competes for a national championship, then you know what that brings. Little more exposure to the school, which allows them to recruit better players and so on and so on. And that, you know, and with that also comes the funding because if you have alumni that end up being pro players, right. what does that do for you? Then those alumni, you know, they provide funding and, right. you know, that school is better equipped. To have right. the facilities to uh, to be attractive to better players, right? And we can't discount the fact that I was listening to an interview uh, with Demar Derozan this week, where he was saying, you know, I'm from Compton, California, and I went to USC, which was about 15 minutes away from where I live. But when I got there, it was a culture shock, without a question. You know, without a question, because like, like it or not, and the fact is, most of these universities, especially the power schools, what you see there, I mean, it's 
a majority of, you know, majority of white people. It is. And those black athletes are somewhat of, you know, there are certainly outliers in, in that community. Right. And having that comfort level uh, to be at an HBCU where you feel like you're at the right place, you're at your place instead of a, of a majority white college. I mean, that could be a, a, a recruiting tool for those kids. I don't think, I don't think it would be a, a bad thing, honestly. That No, not, not that at all. Bad. Not at all. Not at all. Like I said, they, it's going to be tough for the first one to, you know, the trailblazers. But I think, you know, once, once that is set, I think it will be a great, a great turnaround for sure. Yeah, no, definitely. I think it, it'll bring more attention to the history of those schools and why they were created. And, you know, I think it, it's part of, uh, you know, American history that uh, people often forget that, you know, those schools were created because, you know, black people didn't have access to, <laughs> to exactly. uh, higher, higher education uh, at a certain time. So, yeah, no, that was a that was definitely a segment we needed to talk about. Next right. week, uh, we'll bring some more uh, with our uh, all NBA selections, and uh, that's it for this week's episode. Okay. All right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> Great to talk to you and uh, enjoy your week. Stay Thank safe. You. You yes, know, sir. Keep, you too, man. I, I hope you keep wearing a mask. You know, when you're in public. This corona yeah, I def- over. yeah, I definitely <laughs> wear my mask and I'm going to go look back into my, my list, man. You kind of, you kind of switch, switch my thought process on, on your boy there, man. I'm going to have to go back and look into it. Watch, watch, watch Caleb Houston. <laughs> kid, kid can be something special. <laughs> definitely, definitely. All right, man. All right. Take it easy.